episode 166, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season 4, episode 4, Let Me Stand Next to Your Fire. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7, a fan podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to talk about some Ghost Rider and some Darkhold and some Quake and some team members and some LMDs. And I am not going to be alone, but I am also... I am alone right now, uh, but I am about to play a sounder to go into our uh, intelligence report where we are going to talk with uh, Agent Lestu, Agent Stewart, about the the news for, for this episode. And then I have a new guest host who is going to talk about the episode with me, and that is Chad Bokelman from the uh, Action Comics Weekly podcast and the Lantern cast. So uh, with without any further ado, let's just jump into this episode because you don't want too much of me talking to myself, although I will be talking to myself for our listener feedback section for this episode. So, you know, it happens and it's happening today. Yeah, well, let's jump into it. Shield Intelligence Report. All right. And so it is the intelligence report. And that means I have been joined by communications officer, agent Lestu from the UPA. That's right. I still have my pasty and my catch up. So I'm good to go. <laughs> that's that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're going to experiment with this format and see how we do with um, kind of some rotating uh assignments i guess uh but trying this out for a couple weeks to see what it's what it feels like to have you come in do the news with me and then um jump in with the uh the field report with with some other podcasters so yeah i mean we're we're, and the, we're, we're not above trying new things right not above trying new things yeah. um which which actually ties into some of the news that we've got going on maybe loosely but it still does well and um, you've got a handful go of news items that have an interesting thread of of a theme that mm-hmm. that we'll talk about but i yeah so e- even though one one or two news items were not exactly new news not breaking news they were news to me and yeah. that's you know and that's an important thing so <laughs> however you whenever you're getting this um you know you, yeah well and and this has never been a forum for breaking news this has always just been a forum like the news time has been just time to talk about what's going on in the MCU and, mm-hmm, and what's mm-hmm. coming up in the MCU. So wh- what do you got for us to, be, to begin with? All right. So I've got four articles. Um, the first one is uh, Thor Ragnarok goes retro sci-fi, ignores the MCU. Um, and the relevant bit about this is that the, the, the director, um, I'm going to mess up his name, Ty- Taika Waititi, and I apologize I apologize. I apologize. That's messing up his name, but you, I can't you gotta, say it. You got to go. You got to go to Daniel Butcher. 
school of name pronunciation and just say it like you mean it with confidence. Yep. Um, okay. Taika Waititi. Uh-huh. Taika Waititi. There we go. He, um, he said he, what? <laughs> get in there. Um, uh, uh, he said, I honestly know nothing outside of what I'm doing. I'm trying to ignore the rest of the universe and just make my own awesome movie. Um, which means that he's trying to ignore the rest of the universe and make his own awesome movie. Um, hopefully that the people above him are sort of going, no, 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 you need to put some stuff in there. But at the same time, I wonder what this signifies. Okay. Well, and he, then, he actually said he is ma- he made an effort to ignore the other Thor films. And yeah, I, I, I do wonder if that's more of a style thing. Yeah. And not a plot thing, but it definitely speaks to the new logo. First of all, it feels yeah. that retro eighties kind of thing, but yeah, it'll be interesting. So there's that. Now there's that. what do you have for us now? Okay. The next one is, um, Spider-Man, uh, Tom Holland, Tom Holland. Uh, he doesn't know if he's going to be in infinity war. He says, I believe there's some sort of deal in the mix, but I'm unclear as to what that deal is. It's still all up in the air. Of course it's up in the air. He's not going to talk about a movie that's two years in the making. Mm-hmm. But, um, again, another dot to, to put a pin in. Okay. A king pen. Um, <laughs> yeah, and what's what's interesting about this is the, the deal here mm-hmm. is a weird deal anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's in these Disney movies with, like, the, the Civil War movie. But Spider-Man Homecoming is, is a Sony movie that they're helping right. produce. And right. so, yeah, the question is how much back and forth is there going to be? And another piece of information that I found, and I don't really have a great source for it, but um, the deal was made with the previous Sony exec. And so the new Sony exec probably has a little bit of say about what actually happens, um, which based on what I can glean from the internet, executives of major studios change almost every day. So I'd imagine that there's a lot of turnover and a lot of like, Oh, I'm not going to use that old guy's idea. Um, Because they, they do want to make their mark. Right. You know, I I was brought in to fix things. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to clean house. I'm going to do Mm -hmm. this. I'm going to do that. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. This is another one where, it, it, it'll just be very interesting to see where it goes. But this is also where story development is based on uh, the deals that, are get, that get made in the, in the background before right. the story. Right. Um, and then the last two I have are kind of connected. Um, the, the first one is from a, um, a, a Nerdist article that talks about would the Defenders – Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Matt Murdock, and Danny Rand be in um, Infinity War. And there's been talk back and forth and who's going to do what and whatnot. Um, The main thing being uh, um, the gentleman who plays Luke Cage has gone on to say that he doesn't necessarily think that that'll actually happen. Um, He says that they kind of exist in two different worlds. And where this is really apparent, I think, 
is in the casting of Night Nurse. Now, if you've watched Daredevil, you know that there's a character, Rosario Dawson, Claire, um, who dresses in her costume. They've done everything but call her, and I think they probably even have called her. They reference her. They reference her as a night nurse, yeah. Right. But not not as a code name. Right, Um, as night nurse. Um, And so Stephen DeKnight, which is the really old article that I didn't realize existed, has gone on to say that he um, was told by the studio heads not to call Claire night nurse, not to say that she is, quote unquote, night nurse, um, and that Amy McAdams in Doctor Strange um, could be that character. Now, she's gone on to say, mum's the word on that, so we don't really know. The through line of all of these stories is the Marvel Cinematic Universe fracturing. And if it is, do we think they're going to sort of bring it back together in Infinity War to tie to tie a bow on it, saying that it's all connected? Because this is something that Feige has said before. Um, it is all connected, hashtag. So what do you think, Mr. Ben? Well, see, here's my, my concern is you brought up, while we were talking about news items on our, our team thread, with uh, on, on Facebook where we do kind of our planning and stuff, you even mentioned how uh, Luke Cage drops Obama's name. Right. You know, well, Obama is not president of the United States in the MCU right now. And the MCU goes in real time or has so far gone in real time as far as it's 2016 in the MCU right now. And... And so that was I had not even thought about that. I mean, I heard the line, but it didn't even register with me. Oh, that's interesting. And so that might be just a continuity error. That might just be that they forgot. And, you know, to be fair, it does say, do you remember when Obama sang Al Green? That's the line I was specifically referencing. And that doesn't quantify him as president or anything He's just a public figure at that point, or even just a reference at that point. He's not necessarily – it doesn't say, do you remember when President Obama or Senator Obama said – sang Al Green? But on the other hand, I think we are looking at a, a continuity error that mm-hmm. you have a, a line that goes along with some of the thematic stuff they're talking about and then mm-hmm. – you know, but then, it, oops, he's not president here for us right now. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, but then you have the two night nurses, although they are two different night nurses, there's been a few in the MCU. And Rachel McAdams is playing a character who was one of the night nurses. And Claire, I think, is the one who's the most recent night nurse in some of the Brian Michael Bendis uh, Daredevil comics. But the bottom line is, I think. I don't think we're looking at a shattering of the MCU as a universe, but I do think we are seeing some of the effects of kind of three prongs, three different roads being traveled, three different, um, you have, you have your movies, your Netflix and your TV. And, Mm -hmm. you know, TV is definitely taking cues from the movies, getting the guy who played the president in Iron Man three to be the president in agents of shield. But then you have that whole, Coulson is alive in in the MCU in the, on TV, but he's staying hidden, so you don't have to mess with it in the movies. And then you have the Netflix, which is in their own kind of corner of the of the world. And I do hope 
we see, it doesn't have to be a subplot. It doesn't have to be anything more than whatever Infinity War, whatever they're fighting against. Let, let's see, even if it's, it's not fighting against an enemy, let's see superheroes all over the place helping you right. know, quench the, the, or quell the riots, you know, or, or something, mm-hmm. you know, so we could see our defenders doing their thing in New York. And then you could even see, and I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but even see the Great Lakes Avengers in Chicago or Detroit, you know, just characters in costume who have superpowers helping people. And just in a quick flash from place to place to place to place. And then, boom, we come back to the main grouping or whatever of people that's that's fighting against Thanos or, or whatever it's going to be. I, I think right. that would be awesome. And it's a way to keep that idea that it is all connected. Because right now, it feels like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is connected simply because they were given a sneak peek at the script of the upcoming movie for them to figure out how to tie in. And, well, and that's and, and not that's a lot of planning. Happened. And that's what happened with um, uh, Winter Soldier, right? Is is uh, Jed and Marissa weren't given a whole lot of planning. They were given, oh, oh, I guess Hydra's okay. So we're doing that now, you know. Um, and I think that led into everything that, you know, you may or may not have liked season two of Agents of Shield, but it definitely was a reaction to the whole Hydra thing. Yeah, but I felt like that was the best. Of oh of what we were talking about here, I'm the worst of it would be, you know, c- civil war. You know, they yeah. they've been kind of skirting the issue of the specifics of like the Sokovia Accords, but and then with with uh, Doctor Strange, you know, I don't know what the time, but then the worst of it being Thor: The Dark World, where oh yeah, you know, oh well, it's we have some sort of Asgardian problem but it has nothing to do with the asgardian problem that was in the movie <laughs> wait a minute yeah and and so i mean there's different ways they can do it and i'm not complaining necessarily about that because they can't some good stories came out of that asgardian tie-in it just didn't mm-hmm. feel like a tie-in as right much as, it felt uh, as much as when on. they had sif come on the episode that came out the week that thor the dark world was re- released on dvd that was a right. that was a tie-in you know that was a great that tie-in and very well done too. Yeah. And, but I, I do think as far as, you know, you're talking about a fracturing, there's, there's definitely an element of, we've got three paths that we're following. We've got three different ways of doing it. And we've got our levels of importance and no, no, it's not levels anymore. Remember it's color coded. It's color codes. Yeah. Because you don't want anyone to feel bad for being a lower level. Right. Yeah. That's true. Right. That's true. And and orange encompasses red and yellow. <laughs> yes. And so orange would be the movies, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, yeah, listeners, if you have any news that you think um, strikes your fancy that you want us to hear, you want to hear us ramble on about, send it in. We will gladly ramble on about news that we hear about from you guys. <laughs> yes. Um, we, more than gladly. Because it means, it's some, it means it's something you actually want us to want to hear us talk about. Very much so, yeah. and I and I realize and I'm nice. making a I'm making a little bit of light about it. But if you want to join that conversation, um, I'd be glad to 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 hear what you guys have to say and, and hear what you you know 
what you want us to talk about. Yeah. And that's um, feedback at welcome to level seven.com. Dot com. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks Stuart. Appreciate Thank you. it. And uh, now we're going to play the sounder. And when we come back, we're going to be hanging out with Chad. Mission report. All right. And we're back. And now I'm here with our special guest host. Um, you might know him from the internet. Uh, he is a podcaster and a blogger. His name's Chad Bokelman. And welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you filling in like this. And uh, this is, you know, we, we got some weird circumstances here, but that has been allowed the opportunities for some new voices. And so we had Stuart last time. I have uh, already lined up the, the guest host for next episode. And uh, Chad is a podcaster that I've podcasted with on his Action Comics Weekly podcast. And he also podcasts about Green Lantern with the Lantern cast, which is a really long-running uh, Green Lantern podcast. And then you have a blog Eight about... Years. Uh, a blog about ra Ragman? Is that right? The, That's right. Who is this this Ragman <laughs> that you speak of? Because clearly this is a, a totally irrelevant character that's never going to appear in live action anywhere, right? Oh, man. Uh, 40, I can't remember what I posted in my uh, blog post <laughs> breaking down his first live action appearance. But 40 years and almost six months since his first appearance, he gets his first multimedia appearance in uh, Arrow uh, season what five they're on now episode two, uh, and uh, holy crap! <laughs> you know Arrow uh, has given added relevance to a couple of your things too because your uh -huh. Action Comics Weekly thing. Uh, there's a segment on Wild Dog. That's right. Uh, from that comic book series, well, he's appeared in live action too. You're you're doing something. You're you're affecting the world around you, man. <laughs> making waves, making waves. Now I'm <laughs> I'm most excited, obviously, about Ragman. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just all I can say is I'm super stoked about it. Uh, just Ragman is one of my top favorite characters in all of comics. I can't explain to you why. Uh, at least not in the time frame we, we need to do this in. Um, you know, Ragman and, you know, Green Lantern. And I have a special love for the Action Comics Weekly because of characters like Green Lantern. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm kind of all over the map. But uh, I'm happy to be talking. You know, I watch all these shows. Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, all that stuff uh, when Agent Carter was on, obviously. Um, yeah, so well, I'm just you, happy. I'm happy to branch out just a small, in a small way and talk to you about some Agents of Shield. You you fit the criteria for doing this. Uh, you're a podcaster that I know can podcast, and you've you're caught up on Agents of Shield. So that's those are pretty much the two requirements that I'm looking for. And yeah, you fit the bill. So hey, so the episode is uh, let me stand next to your fire, and. Uh, I don't know, Chad, would you let me stand next to your fire? Would you? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. As long as you have your own tent. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take you up on that. So um, I, I felt like I was watching a tale of three cars because this, this episode, I found it really interesting that you had a whole lot of just vehicles and people in their particular vehicles. You had Colson and, and Lola. You had, um, Robbie in his 69 charger and you had Daisy in her van that I have no idea what it is, but it's a junky old van that I would love to have and then paint some sort of fantasy scene on the side of it. Like, like those vans I used to see when I go on road trips with my family in the late seventies. And yeah, can, can we all just pause and appreciate the fact that on 
on a on a comic book show, we had a car chase between a 1969 Dodge Charger and a 1962 Chevy Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> like for real. <laughs> that was they posted that as a you know preview scene or a teaser scene um, on Sunday or Monday or something like that, and which they usually do. They'll post something. And when I watched that, I, I couldn't believe myself. Like I'm watching him. Wait, what, what is this real? (laughs) Is this really going to happen on our show? And sure enough, I mean, it was a total, total car chase. It felt so cool and yet so different, but how can you not? I mean, it was Lola versus whatever ghost Rider's car is called demon car or hell, hell car or whatever. But it was I couldn't believe it. And then, of course, the end of it, um, you bring in the Quinjet. So. <laughs> well, it, it also is the whole thing starts off with one of the best lines of the entire episode when Max says, get in the car, I'm driving. And Coulson immediately goes, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't even a thought. It was. I mean, Coulson was not going to let anyone, well, touch Lola, really. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I was disappointed that they haven't fixed the the flying yet, um, because mm-hmm. that would have—I don't know if they could have done it on the budget, but that would have taken it and amped it up to eleven. And uh, but it was it was a fun opening. It was a fun opening. I guess not really the opening, um, but it was it was there in Act One. It was quick, pretty quick. So. So this episode, uh, let me stand next to your fire. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of things happening here. So I think we'll go uh, act by act. And so we'll start with the teaser and just briefly talk about that. And then we'll we'll get into act one, act two and on through five. So. All right. I'll follow um, your lead. Go for it. All right. So the, the teaser has <laughs> Simmons apartment hunting, you know, because <laughs> it, it's just I, I love Simmons life scenes when we get just those glimpses of her outside of the lab. And this was another one of those let's open with Simmons, just doing something completely innocuous. And, uh, Fitz meanwhile is trying to find a cure for victims of the ghost thing, uh, that doesn't involve killing someone to cure them. And they have some cute banter. And then she gets inside the apartment that is the perfect apartment and it turns out it's perfect for a reason. And that's because Daisy has used it as bait to bring uh, Simmons into um, basically into her, her next her next plot, her next shenanigans that she's going to get into as she is looking for um, just things about this ghost thing, but also watchdogs and then also trying to get healed because she's not doing too well. And and that's our teaser. It's OK. It's okay. Yeah, not 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 too bad. I mean, it, it comes the the exposition come of, of why Daisy's there and stuff like that comes later on. Yeah. But I'll say it: Daisy's uh, upsetting me this season. Like, really? uh, I get that she's always had her own kind of thing going on, and she's learning as she's go as, as she goes. But her her whole attitude and the way she's just pushing everybody away. I mean, I get I get that in her grief and all this, all these complex emotions she's feeling, but. You know, we're this far into this this show, and I feel like Daisy should know her team or trust her team more. And if she is going to go away from them, stop dragging them into her mess. Uh, and Simmons calls her out on it. Yeah, I mean, she not here, but but later on calls her out and says, "You can't keep pushing us away and running away, and then come crawling back when you need help, so you can run away again." And, yeah, yeah, I I'm with you there. I, 
I feel like she's trying to find herself, but I feel like she's already found herself twice in this, in the lifetime of the show. You know, like she's, mm-hmm. um, she has some growing up to do simply because she hasn't grown up yet after going through what she's gone through. And it's like, come on, you know, you, you, you've, you've know the drill. You've gone through this before and we are family. And yeah, but, but that gives her opportunity to get away and be away and, you know, meet Robbie Reyes and, and have adventures with Ghost Rider. And yeah, I, I'm surprised she still hasn't come back. It, well, I mean, we get the end of this episode, but I, I was surprised that she wasn't back earlier. So, mm. yeah. So we, we start out act one and there's this is where all of our plots come together or, or begin. Um, Coulson's in prison talking to um, Robbie's uncle Eli uh, asking for help because Robbie's uncle Eli knows something about the ghost people who are dead, but not dead. And then we have may who has discovered she has woken up and she's fine. And they're, they're test doing tests on her and Fitz is there with Ada and Fitz is kind of freaking out because Ada's there and May can actually see Ada and Radcliffe basically says, this is the ultimate test. You're she's may is the ultimate spy. Here's the ultimate test. Uh, then you have Simmons with Daisy. The apartment is too good to be true because it is too good to be true. Um, and we find out that the watchdogs are hacking into the system and they have, uh, Daisy has a part of the inhuman list that they had and, you know, of course, she's a hacker, too, so she's going to be able to to counteract the hack. And then after uh, Coulson leaves the prison, um, he, he's not getting anything out of Eli, but he doesn't expect to the first time. And Robbie happens to drive by. And that's when we get the beginning of our chase scene, this where Mac desperately wants to drive and just just wants to I just he just wants to cut loose, I think. But. Coulson's not going to let him. He's not going to have any of that. This is his car. This is his chase. So, <laughs> so Act One sets up basically all of our all of our th- uh, plot threads in, in motion. And there's a lot going on here. There's, there's a lot going on. So I don't know. Um, Uncle Eli. I guess we could start there. Um, he's from the comics. Is he now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, except I believe you know, now it's been almost a month now since I read it, but I believe uh, uh, Robbie's uncle Eli was the one who actually made the original deal with the devil and caused some trouble by getting into Satanism and stuff like that, which, you know, if you get into Satanism and you know, you're know actually trying to call on demons and stuff, you're going to, there's, there's going to be trouble in the Marvel universe. So, <laughs> uh, but here he's, he's kind of involved in, in just the, the science stuff, which, we don't get it much, much there. Um, but Ada, what do you think about Ada? I like it. Uh, I, I, I say it, which is technically appropriate. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, I, I like her. She's a interesting character. I like how they're, they're developing her and kind of laying in plot threads of some stuff that's happened. Uh, I forget if it's here or later in the episode that fits, you know, kind of, uh, is we're, we're told via a conversation between, uh, Fitz and, and, um, why am I blanking on his name? Um, Radcliffe, the doctor? Yes, yeah. yes. Dr. Radcliffe that, you know, Fitz has been working with him. I mean, we, we knew that from prior <laughs> episodes, but we we can physically see those results in her 
mood and the way she reacts and conversates with people. Uh, and kind of the way I like the way Dr. Radcliffe is kind of saying, well, this is the ultimate Turing test. You know, yeah. can can of all people may tell that something's wrong with this person. Yeah. And Fitz, according to Radcliffe, Fitz has rubbed off on Ada socially and mm. helped her develop social skills. Um, but Fitz doesn't have as much faith as Radcliffe. Um, or maybe he just has more faith in May than Radcliffe does because Fitz is he's basically caught like he's been lying. He's been coming. He's been helping Radcliffe and he's been hiding at Ada. And now the cat's out of the bag, basically. And my thinking is he calls Ada his assistant. They would know about an assistant like I, he's basically under house arrest where he gets to do research as long as he has approval to do that research. I would think that if he's working for shield, they would want to know about anyone he's working with. So even if may believes that Ada is just a, an assistant, I, I wonder if she's basically be saying, has she, you know, is she level orange or whatever it is that they're doing now with the, the color levels? Um, level seven is, is kind of thrown out now, but we're keeping the title. We're keeping the title for the podcast, but yeah, so that's, that's my one thing there is may is very, very trusting that, well, we'll find out if she, if she has caught on or not, but, um, she doesn't say anything about you have an assistant and she's just letting it slide. So, yeah, I think I read somewhere online too, that they're planning on uh, like that man has other things on her mind. Like her experience is going to weigh in on this season. Well, I hope so. Like how, just how all that that she went through earlier in the first couple episodes affects her, especially dying and coming back. So, well, and this is another later, I mean, this is at the very end, but now May and Colson have that connection. They've both been dead and brought back. True. So, uh, let's see. And then, so the watchdogs, uh, what, what are you thinking about this subplot here? The, the watchdogs and all the stuff that they've been doing now, expanding their operations beyond the national borders. But, um, this is kind of the, not kind of, this is the big bad really of, of the season so far. I guess it's one of two. You got the ghost stuff going on too. But yeah, I feel like, I feel like the watchdogs are going to be the minor plot thread. Um, and things will pick up once we, uh, kind of get to the whole ghost side of things because you know the they mentioned it in a at a prior episode but they mentioned it a lot in this episode so um but um as far as the watchdogs themselves i i don't know how i feel about them just yet i just uh, i feel like we don't know too much about them which we do learn you know kind of some of their connections and and how far deep their connections go later on in the episode but I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like I should know more about them by now or that they shouldn't be just this sort of faceless, near limitless resource, seemingly uh, organization out to destroy either the inhumans or like it's 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 obviously on the face that they're going after inhumans. But I wonder if that's that that's not just a a long con. Like mm. they're they're going after something else, but the Inhumans are how they're getting to it. Like maybe they're going after Shield, or I mean, I have no idea. Or is it really just about the Inhumans? Yeah, I. 
last episode we saw that the, I don't know if she's a politician or what she was, but she was a talking head on the news shows uh, who's kind of behind some of that stuff and helping fund because they're, they've expanded their operations. So you, you say they have the, that kind of limitless funding and it's, it's kind of true. I mean, I don't know how limitless the limit is, but it's, it's expanded and they are a worldwide organization now. Mm-hmm. Or at least they have worldwide um, reach, and I'm I'm curious what they're going to do with the, the Watchdogs. Uh, the, my first exposure with, with them was a classic for me, Captain America story arc, and when they showed up, I thought, oh, that's so cool because that's one of those that I had like issues in a row when I was a kid, and like oh, I, that story just just connects with me because it's nostalgia. I think it's still good, but. So the watchdogs, I, I think it's cool to have them, but at the same time, you're right. I, I do want to know more, and they've definitely hyped up. Or for me, the, the mystery is there, and I, I, I would like to see, yeah, your, their actual motivations. But they've got James on their side, so and we'll get into James. But man, he, he we'll talk about him. He, he's got some issues. <laughs> he's got some issues. So our car chase in Act Two ends with uh, the ghost car slamming into a cloaked Quinjet. Kind of a kind of a surprise ending. Although when Coulson says, you know, I'm not worried about catching up, um, I'm trying to figure out, did he corral Robbie there? Did, did he orchestrate that? Or was that just happy happenstance? I think it was more happy happenstance because I, I don't, I mean, at one point they were side by side, so it's possible that that uh, he kind of nudged him that way. But for the most part, uh, Robbie was ahead of him. Yeah. Well, in so many car chases, like even in in any old cop show, sometimes you have to wonder what is the end game. Like, what are they just going to go until one of them runs out of gas, <laughs> or uh, or until one of them drives off a bridge into the river? Or until one of them slams into a cloaked Quinjet. Um, <laughs> At some point, I was expecting the uh, Yakety Sax music from Benny Hill <laughs> to come on. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think they ran into a, a fruit stand, though. I mean, that that would be the one thing to take the, the the car chase over the top for us. But I it was a it was an exciting car chase, and some really there's some good stunt work going on there, and uh, I'm enjoying what they're doing with. They've got the vehicles, you know, they've got mm-hmm. the cars. Let's let's do it. Let's see Lola go head to head with with Ghost Car. So and that ends then. And uh, we come back to them in act two where they're looking at the car. There's no dent on Ghost Car. And and uh, Robbie is in prison. He's in one of their their lockup units. And Colson has just a ton of questions for him. Uh, Where does your power come from? Um you know, what, what, what are you doing? And we need your help. Um, but he, it ends with him saying, well, Daisy would trust him. So I'm going to, and he opens the door and lets Robbie out. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where that goes, but the other stuff that's going on, Simmons and Daisy have a plan to plant, uh, plant a flash drive to help Daisy get access to, um, shields mainframes. And Simmons just goes and 
doesn't even use the plan. She's got her own happy chipper plan where she's she's the boss. So she's just going to go and say, hey, take this flash drive. Um, Fitz and Radcliffe, that's how the, the conversation there where he was, he was freaking out about that. Um, and then we have, uh, we find out with Simmons and Daisy that every inhuman has that wristwatch and it tracks their vitals, but also tracks their position. And next on the watchdogs to-do list is is James. And that's when you have Simmons say, you can't push us away and then come crawling back half dead whenever you feel like it. So, um, how are you, how are you liking Robbie on, on the show here? I like him so far. He, he's, um, he's a little too sullen for me. I think, I mean, I get it. You know, the, the whole tied to the spirit of vengeance thing. I, I, I mean, that, that would make you sullen. I, I think. <laughs> true. Everything that's going on with his family and all this stuff. I, I mean, I do get it, but uh, I'd like to see a little bit more lightheartedness come from him. But I just uh, or maybe uh, embrace his role as Ghost Rider a little more. I don't know. I, 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 it's early. So I, I think I can forgive it for all these things I'm putting on it so far. But I feel like at some point during the season, there needs to be a turning point for him where he just embraces it the same the same way that. Um, Oh, why can't uh, Johnny? Um, Johnny Blaze, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same way that Johnny at one point kind of made the turn and just sort of embraced his role as Ghost Rider. Um, I'd like to see that happen with Robbie, but I, again, it's it's so early in the season that y- you know you you can forgive it for not immediately going to that point. Early on in this show, we used to have a phrase that we used, which was "Colson is us. We are uh, we are Colson." And basically, Coulson was us in the MCU, you know, standing amidst the giants and, and just, you know, appreciating their, their superness. And here he's us again. He's asking all the questions that I want to know. Where does your power come from? That's the big one. And the question uh, is answered by I made a deal with the devil. So here's my question to you. We've been talking a little bit about. Uh, what we think, kind of speculating what the deal might be with, with Robbie in the context of the MCU. What do you think? Do you think he's actually made a deal with the devil? Is this an actual oh, yeah. spirit? Oh, yeah. You think so? Oh, yeah. Because I count it as a fault and as a strength for this show. Uh, but how tied in and, forget the word, but slavish it is to the cinematic side of things. Um, because, you know, you had the whole first season, which, you know, really the first half of it was just so slow for, I mean, I'm one of those people who felt the same way. It seems like a lot of the general public did about the first half of the first season. And then you get the whole, uh, you know, winter soldier stuff, um, with Hydra and all that stuff. Uh, and then things get ramped up and then you see, you know, later on in the second season, it really pivots around, um, uh, Thor the Dark World, but sort of less so. Uh, then it kind of comes into its own and does its own thing, really, with the Inhumans. So I felt it kind of grow, grew into its own thing. But now we're back to, okay, well, Doctor Strange is coming up, so Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has got to go down the supernatural route. So if this whole season, for the most part, I mean, again, it's doing its own thing, but it, this it's pivoting around, a, again, around a Marvel movie. And the, that Marvel movie is... Doctor Strange. So they're going to be introducing the supernatural side of things. And the, there's, there's, there is no way 
no way I would expect the MCU, um, regardless of how detached it is from the actual actual films, there's no way, way I would expect the MCU to make a major, major change to a character like Ghost Rider, like making him an inhuman or anything other than what he is, which is a supernatural character. All right. Yeah, I we've we've talked about um I can't remember which guy now I was if it was Stuart or or the other Ben, but uh talking about how you know it could be you know wondering extra dimensional spirit or extra dimensional being um Mac he, Mac is in an interesting position because he's he's like, "Well, I believe in God, so I've got to believe in the other." But then he also says, you know, "Alien would totally explain everything here as well." So, mm. like Mac is just, yeah, you know, could be spiritual, but also could totally be just an alien being that's maybe possessed him or something like that. So, well, I mean, when we move into the third act, I think we'll 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 touch a little bit more on the supernatural side of things. That is true. That is true. Um, yeah, the other stuff is in, in here in Act Two. There's not a lot of. Um, I think discussion fodder uh, other than the stuff we've already talked about with Ada, the, which again, there's some interesting stuff they could do. I'm just a little worried. Ada could be poor man, television Ultron. And I'm just Mm. hoping they don't go in that direction with, with Ada. Yeah. Um, So act three, we go to a fireworks store and that's where James is working. (laughs) And, James is, you know, one of the quote unquote bad in humans who was taken over by Hive and um, didn't want to be an inhuman. But, you know, there he is. He's working in a fireworks store and his power is creating fire. So there's there's a little little problem there. But he has a good for me. It was a really good line with where he talks about Sean. His, his co-worker, who is a 30 years, was a smoker for 30 years, keeps one cigarette on his desk to remind him what he doesn't want to be. And it's interesting, but when he's talking about it now, I'm thinking he's turned over a new leaf. Mm. We're going to get another uh, perspective based on, on new information later on about that whole idea of being reminded of what he doesn't want to be. Um but he's just not interested really in S.H.I.E.L.D. And it seems like he may not be interested in Quake. Then you've got um, Robbie telling Coulson, you've got to be loco for letting me out of your cage. Um, and Coulson, you know, he, he, he acknowledged it. He said, you know, this is, you know, it's time for me to make a deal with the devil possibly. But it's also time for you to prove that you're not the demon that we think you are. And go and talk to your Uncle Eli. And <clears throat> so he does. And... Robbie and Eli have a conversation about the answers that they want. We get some background information on about Eli and he was working on some next level research and development. Uh, was it a quantum, a quantum matter generator or something like that? Yes. Yeah. And it just goes wrong. And it's basically that whole, <laughs> you're, you're dealing with forces. You can't understand kind of thing. Um, and then he finds out that Joseph, who is married to, Lucy, who is the main ghost that we've been following, um, killed the people who were involved. Well, they thought he killed them, and, and that's where Eli goes crazy, beats Joseph into oblivion, and then gets gets put in prison. And so the big question is, what is she after? 
she's after the book. And Eli knows that there's this book. It has all the knowledge that anyone could ever need. And Mac interrupts because they have a situation with an asset. It's a volatile situation. And then we end Act 3 with Lucy Bauer finding Joseph, who's in a coma of some sort, touching him with really poor, to me anyway, poor ghost effects, and wakes him up and then says, where's the book? So... So the, the book, uh, the book. It's, it's Coulson mentions it later in the episode, but it's already been mentioned so far by name this season. The Darkhold. That's right. The Darkhold. So this is where we get to the supernatural side of things. Uh, I was watching a couple of YouTube videos and, and reading a couple of articles online kind of explaining what the Darkhold is. And it's actually interesting. Uh, a lot of people out there know the Darkhold from things like um, I think it's called Rise of the Midnight Suns. Uh, and then the actual series uh, that ran for about, I think, 16 issues called Darkhold. Um, and actually, I have the Rise of the Midnight Suns trade paperback, and I have all 16 issues of Darkhold. Uh, but I've never read either. I'm familiar from, of the, with the Darkhold from something else that nobody, to my knowledge, on any of the articles or videos I read or watched online mentioned. I'm actually interested in you. It's, it's funny you mentioned some of your first experience with comics in terms of um, the the Watchdogs uh-huh. and, and the Captain America. I, as a kid, I didn't read comics. I only had like a handful of like five issues that I read over and over again as a kid. And then I it was after high school I actually got into comics. It was Miss Marvel, the first one, the very first uh, 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 issue of Miss Marvel for I think the seventies. It was Union Number Zero. It was a uh, the second issue of a two issue crossover involving Nexus and Magnus the Robot Fighter. Okay, uh, <laughs> and it was one other thing, and it was something called Marvel Chillers Number One. And Marvel Chillers Number One features the very first appearance of a character known as Madrid the Mystic. Okay, and Madrid the Mystic, his origins involve the Darkhold. Uh, and it, I told I told Ben prior to recording that I was, you know, give me a second. I'm reading an issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the issue I was rereading was Marvel Chillers number one. I still have the same issue I had as a kid. Um, basically, Madrid the Mystic, um, way, 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 way back in the times of like King Arthur and stuff is engaged to be married uh, to this particular woman. Uh, and her father won't agree to it until, until he becomes a full-fledged mage. But he's not allowed to do it because King Arthur has made the summons to Madrid to go under the tutelage of Merlin, who is old and people think loony and all this stuff. And and the father of this woman that Madrid is engaged to be married to, um, you know, refuses and says, I've taught you all I can teach you. And Madrid says, no, you, there's yet still more. There is still the Book of Darkhold. Hmm. And the Book of Darkhold is what it is in this in this uh, in the MCU. It is a book of spells and darkness and evil, um, and it's locked away in this tower nearby where Madrid's betrothed is at. And he goes up one night to gain the power of the Darkhold, so that because nobody can say no to King Arthur, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 then you know even even more so Merlin. So he wants the power to have, you know, no man have sway over him because he wants to be with his love. Uh, and he does so, and it costs him dearly as the the the, the Book of Darkhold uh, demands a sacrifice. And right then, 
that's when his beloved comes up the steps and it's going to go after her. Well, he commands it to take him instead and he goes into the sleep for 1100 plus years. And then emerges, you know, in 1976 or whatever when this this issue is published right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> as a man of magic. But that's that's where I know the Darkhold huh. from. The origins of Madrid the Mystic, who, to my knowledge, never really appeared that often in Marvel continuity. Um, but the Darkhold is and has always been this source of magical, mystical evil. So... When you ask me, you know, is Ghost Rider really supernatural in this? I could stand with you and say, yeah, maybe they could do extra dimensional, you know, because there was that one episode. Of, I, can't, I can't remember which season where that guy was um, sort of trapped between realities yeah, yeah. and they thought he was a ghost or whatever. Um, so there's that possibility. But when you throw in the dark hold <laughs> and the fact that we got Doctor Strange coming up. I, I, it, it has to be nothing but supernatural. The Darkhold is and has always been this very mystical, magical, supernatural, evil thing. Yeah. Now, one thing they have said, though, basically they are riding the coattails or the, I guess, cloak tails <laughs> of, of Doctor Strange in, in bringing up some of this mystical stuff. But Doctor Strange is going to explain how magic works in the MCU and they're not going to take the time to do that. I wonder if some of that is just them saying, I'm not even sure really what Dr. Strange is going to do with magic. So we'll say Dr. Strange is going to explain everything. And then we're just going to hope that we fall under the umbrella. Nice and neat. But uh, they, I think that with the dark hold, that's a really cool way to, to tie into that magic stuff of Dr. Strange without tying into Dr. Strange and maybe not without even name dropping him. Uh, you just, here's another magical, um, a magical element that is just a part of the fabric of the MCU. And yeah. And, and doc, to, to be fair, Dr. Strange has had ties to the dark hold. It's yeah. one of the artifacts he has used at some point during his continuity. And that's uh, how but, I know of it. That, that's, but it's, but it's at well after he's, you know, his first appearance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's what Lucy wants. And, uh, Lucy and Joseph, I, that scene in the hospital room, I just watched that and I'm just, this looks like Ghostbusters, <laughs> you know, and, and not new Ghostbusters and, and not even Ghostbusters too. Although the, the argument could be made that the effects in Ghostbusters one were better than Ghostbusters two, but it just feels and I'm trying to decide, is it because of the style of what they're trying to show, which is this translucent ghost creature. And so when the translucent ghost creatures, fingertips are, you know, disappearing into the guy's skin, maybe it's just because she's translucent, there's just no way around it. It's going to look fake because it is fake. There's not a real thing in the world that you could film to look like that. Um, or is it just bad? Because I, I just, I laughed at it and this, I don't often season one. There was one scene that we were just kind of, Oh man, where they're all running to jump into the bus and there's an explosion behind them. And you're just like, Oh, that is so green screened. And it's so clear that they are not there. And this is another, another one where I'm just, Oh man. And it just, it bothered me and I can't explain 
why this particular effect <laughs> compared to any others bothered me. But when you consider how well they're doing Ghost Rider, uh, I, I feel like the Ghost Rider skull is a great effect. I, I like it. I like the way it looks. And then this was just not great. So, yeah, in terms of that, I think part of my problem with that scene, that wasn't necessarily the, the way it was uh, rendered. It's just it it felt like it threw off the pacing of the episode. Oh, it absolutely did. You know, yeah. we, we we see her for the one and only time that episode. It's such a short scene. And, you know, later on in the episode, Coulson says, you know, in the in the second act, he says to Robbie's uncle, uh, you know, you're the only person I can talk to because the other one's in a coma. And then later on in the end of the episode, Coulson says he's awake. Well, I feel like we're supposed to see you said her name is Lucy. Yeah. I feel like we're we're probably going to see more of Lucy next episode. I don't see why we couldn't have gotten rid of that episode or that that segment of the episode and pushed it to the next episode, like in maybe like the teaser. Uh, and, you well, know, it just just, you know, Coulson says he's awake and then we, you know, we we see Coulson say, you know, he's awake and then, you know, we flash to earlier that day or, you know, whatever. And we kind of keep that because it just it, it threw off the pacing for me really bad. Or lose the lose the he's awake line and stick this at the end. Put this as yeah. your tag scene uh, after the after the final commercial break. Um, I think you're you're right that it does break the pacing. Uh, it's convenient and coincidental because they just happen to be talking about the book. And then she comes in uh, and it doesn't push anything forward for this episode. Uh other than to say, and, and this is probably why the scene is here. Remember Lucy, <laughs> you know, she's, she, she's still a part of things. You mm-hmm. haven't, you haven't seen her at all this episode. And you know, what was, I'm trying to remember last episode. If we saw her, saw much of her, uh, I, I don't think we did. We may not have seen her at all last episode. So this, this might've just served as a, Hey, here's a reminder. There's a ghost out there who looks like this. And, uh, she'll, we'll be seeing a lot more of her later, but right now, don't forget here she is so yeah um yeah and so then the the other the big information dump here is robbie and eli but it's it's james that's the big uh the big surprise for me was that hey james is back i like james i was hoping he'd be a part of the team this for this season yeah i think everybody when they first saw the teaser of like the the flaming chains and everything, I think painted on the side of the bus before yeah. Comic-Con, everybody was assuming that he was going to be, you know, the main threat or the main thing in this episode, in the season. When I first saw it, I immediately thought Ghost Rider. That's just because that's my experience with flaming chains. I yeah. know he had one last season, but, uh, you know, the James had one last season, but the minute I saw that, I thought Ghost Rider. And I was like, oh, I, well, I guess they're doing this. And then they announced Ghost Rider. I'm like, well, heck yeah. <laughs> well, I couldn't imagine them wrapping a promotional uh, campaign around James. <laughs> like, that's yeah. just he, he's not that big of a character. Uh, and it, and they did make it look like they it, they were definitely it felt like they were supposed to be referencing Ghost Rider. And, and then clearly they were. I mean, that that was what they were. We're doing. I I honestly didn't know what they were doing. I, I was trying to figure out what in the are they actually bringing Ghost Rider in? Could this really? Why would they do it? And and now I'm glad they did. I mean, when I had some skepticism before, now it's just yeah, this is this is working. Uh, 
but yeah, because I think it was, was it was it a few months or like a year before all this, we had gotten it was a small news story mm-hmm. I and mean, it was out there. It was in the water, but that that so or that Marvel had gotten back the rights to like a couple of different characters. I think Blade was one of Blade them. Blade was the other, yeah. There was, uh, and, and Ghost Rider was in that. So I was like, well, I wonder what they're going to do with that. So well, the you big, know, when I saw those change, I was like, wait, Marvel has Ghost Rider back, right? So the big talk was, you know, is this Netflix? Are they going to do a dark Netflix, <laughs> you know, with with Ghost Rider, Blade, Moon Knight? And I can't remember. There was a fourth one that people were talking about that. like, Oh, and, and I know there's a whole bunch of April Fool's Day jokes or pranks or whatever you want to call them. Fake news stories is what I call them about, you know. The, the Moon Knight Netflix series that'll be part with the with the Punisher and yeah, which was was fake, but <laughs> so okay. So Act Four, um, Robbie wants to go and and find out about this book and and take care of of basically the he's he's trying to to help his his uncle, but uh, Colson says nope, you can't go alone. We're a team. <laughs> you're a part of the team now. So come with us on our detour. And, and then we have a scene with Ada who's asking why was Fitz lying for her? When, um, I, I can't remember how, how it came down, but basically may was questioning Ada and, Oh no, Ada spoke Chinese. That's what it was. Mm, and spoke, yeah. it, spoke it fluently. And so, um, Fitz is like, well, she, he, she's from Canada. Ontario, they have lots of Chinese people there. And and so she says, why you programmed me not to lie, Radcliffe? Why? And, you know, she's he explains that lies can uh, the intent is what what makes them different and what makes it OK. And but then she brings up her tenets of behavior. Yeah, which makes it creepy. Well, it does. But she's referencing. I. It sounds like the three laws of robotics. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, clearly she says, you know, not to harm a human. And I mean, the other th- the three laws are you ca- a robot can't harm a human being or allow a human being to come to harm by not action. by not acting. And they must obey orders given by a human, except if the orders conflict with law one. And then they must protect their own existence unless that conflicts with law two or law one. And. And so she she's here. I mean, she's saying um, the the her tenet of of not harming humans and doesn't that's part of the being programmed not to lie is a part of those tenets. And yeah, and so I I'm I'm really curious where they're going to go with Ada. I just don't want it to be that like I said, low rent TV Ultron. But they could go to some really interesting places here with this artificial intelligence. Uh, and I'm hoping they go to interesting places without going to too cliche of a place. So, and then the other, then finally we have the big action sequence. Um, Simmons and Quake wait for James at a storage pod where he has told them that there might be something that might help them. And turns out that in the storage pods, they're hiding watchdogs. And, uh, but you have a little bit of a, a conflict of interest or a conflict of ideal ideology, I should say between Simmons and, and uh quake about, you know, watchdogs are killing people. I'm, 
I'll be happy to get weapons because that's speaking their language. And if I have to speak their language to stop them, so be it. Then, so they're surrounded by watchdogs and James is with them, but then it turns out he's actually not with the ladies. He's with the dogs and the watchdogs are not his enemy. (laughs) And they figure out that he gave them access to his watch, which allowed them to get access to the data that they needed to get more information about the inhumans. There's fighting the um, Simmons and Daisy get chased and hide in a storage unit. James finds them. Ghost Rider finds James. They start fighting and we go to commercial break with Ghost Rider saying to James, it's time to pay for your sins. So there it is. And it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. I, I like, I like what's going on here. Um, I'm curious what's going to happen with, with James and Ghost Rider, but clearly this is where their effects budget is going to is, is the fire stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, the stuff with James, like I, I never. I mean, the the minute he was introduced, I was like, I don't buy it. <laughs> I totally did, though. I bought yeah. it. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. But that's the whole cigarette line. Yeah. And so here we find out he really doesn't want to be what he he doesn't want to be what he is. Uh, he is on the watchdog's side, killing inhumans, which are his people. He's going to be the last one to go. This is a suicide mission. He is going to help them hunt down his own kind until he's the last one. And then they will kill him because he hates what he is so much. Like, do you buy that? That I never believed he was on the side of the angels, but I also didn't believe uh, to slightly lesser extent because he wanted this last season. I mean, he was begging for dare Genesis. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I suppose you still have like a measure of um, be careful what you wish for in there. You know, you can wish for something so badly, but, you know, then it when it happens, it's like just as an example, I've been listening to um, the Secret Wars graphic audio uh, okay. thing. And I've, I've had I've had the Secret Wars omnibus on my shelf for years and I still haven't read it, uh, but I'm listening to, <laughs> to a graphic audio interpretation of it. And there's a moment in there where I guess the Beyonder is is offering everybody, you know, kill your enemies or whatever, and you, you get your 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 greatest desire. And there's a fight between the Avengers and the X-Men and and, and the Fantastic Four and then their their enemies. And right in the middle of it, Ben Grimm transforms back into a human. Which is obviously Ben's greatest desire, but at the same time, when Ben Grimm is a regular human, he's utterly worthless. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so well, it's a it's a be careful what you wish yeah. for type of thing. So that that sort of theme is in my mind as I'm as I'm watching something like this, where that's the only way I could buy him hating it this much is he's wanted it for so long and now he finally has it and it's just not at all what he thought it was. The only way I can buy it is the experience with hive where he, he had his free will taken from him. So good guy, bad guy, whatever he would want to be, he wasn't able to be, be it because he wanted to be it. And that's the only way I can, I can buy it is that that just, that experience was so traumatizing that he has a death wish now and, and a death wish against all others like him because hive was, you know, that's the only way I can buy it. But at the same time, I think that's really what they're trying to sell us that they, the, 
the lie was earlier. I don't think we're getting a double twist where, you know, he's not on the side of the angels, but at least he's on more or less going to help Quake. Well, okay, here's the twist. He's actually with the watchdogs. And then uh, here's a third twist where he's not actually with them. He's just tricked them too. And I, I, I don't think they'll go there with that, but I, I don't know. I, I like him as a character. I like the actor. Maybe I like the actor more than the character, but um, the actor, he delivers lines great. He doesn't have as great of lines for this episode as he has in the past, but um, this whole thing, it was just, wait, <laughs> that is messed up, dude. That's just, I'm going to help hunt down and kill all of you who are like me, and then I will be their last victim. Yeah, he refers to himself and in humans as animals. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we go into Act 5, and this is where it all comes together. Uh, Simmons and Daisy, on their way away from the Ghost Rider James fight, meet up with Coulson and Mac, who are firing guns in the fireworks store. Um, yeah, and... And then <laughs> are they firing guns or are they firing icers? I they said guns. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was. I think the, well, I think they were referring to the watchdogs. Oh, you know, it's maybe. not it's it's not smart to fire guns in the in in the place full of fireworks or whatever. Maybe. I mean, they break the fourth wall here, though, because I mean, they literally break a wall with uh, Robbie and and James bursting through a wall from the second floor into the warehouse and that's where Max says, did two fire dudes just fall into a fireworks warehouse? And Colson says, you had to see that coming. And, <laughs> yeah. and so they run, the fireworks go off, uh, but we didn't talk about the chain. Yeah, uh, that's that that was a cool moment. Yeah, James takes the chain, put it, it's on fire now because that's what he does. And he swings it back, uh, you know, to to swing it at the uh, at Simmons and and Daisy and Robbie catches it and looks at it and just goes, huh? And, and you can clearly see that we are, this is, this is still part of his origin story. You know, we're, we're still getting the beginnings of who this ghost rider guy is. He, he doesn't have his modus operandi ready to go, but <clears throat> they, they come out of the, the warehouse where the fireworks are going off and uh, Robbie drags James out and James is alive. So that's almost, maybe that's Robbie's character arc here. He helps them with Eli and then he doesn't kill James, even though it's time for him to pay for his sins. He brings James alive. Um, I'm reminded of a cat, uh, bringing a gift to your, the owner of a dead bird or a dead mouse though, where he, he got to drags James across the parking lot to Colson. Here he is. He's alive. Um, Quake thanks Coulson. Quake wants to leave, but Coulson says, no, no, we need you. We need you because there's this book. And and remember, we're part of the MCU, so I'm going to drop some names because Daniel Whitehall couldn't find this book. Red Skull couldn't find this book. And Nick Fury couldn't find this book. And they all went looking for it. This book is the book of sins, the book of spells, the book of infinite knowledge. And uh, he basically says, hey, Ghost Rider, join us forces beyond our control are driving us together because Joseph Bauer, like you said, Joseph Bauer just woke up. So we're, we're, we're definitely building towards something. And that's one thing I've been appreciating about agents of shield since, since season maybe two, but each of these 
half season arcs is building and every episode feels like they're building towards something. Maybe not as fast as you'd want, or maybe not the thing you would want them to build too. But I feel like they're, we get some kind of almost one-off adventures like this, but it's, it's building towards something. And so, yeah, that's, that's our act five though. And yeah, I, I don't know the name dropping. We haven't had a lot of that lately. So this was kind of a good return to form, I guess. Of course, he has to explain who Nick Fury was because Robbie's just like, oh, what? Oh, he's he's a friend and a mentor. <laughs> um, yeah. And then then the end part is the, the, the tag at the end. We have uh, more Ada stuff. Um, Simmons recognizes Ada for what she is immediately. May ha- has figured it out. Coulson meets Ada. Wait, May figured it out? I Yeah, May knew. May knew. I don't think she did. I thought she had. I thought she no, figured it out. I don't think I don't think May knows. I think she's got to I mean, I I don't put it past her. Maybe she's playing some sort of long game. I don't know. But I honestly think at this point, I mean, I'm not ruling it out that she doesn't know. Maybe she's playing some sort of con. I don't know. But at this point, I think the way what I'm leaning towards is she doesn't know. She's got way too much else on her mind right now. I it was in it, uh, what is it, Act Three? I in my notes here, I have the the line she says was, "You've been hiding Ada from me," and and so that's that's the line that that to me said she she knew, uh, it, and it was after Fitz's horrible lie of the Chinese Canadian from Ontario. <laughs> But Simmons clearly knows. I mean, she's, no, she, yeah, she says it outright. She says, that's an Android. You know, it's an Android, right? <laughs> and, and of course I know. But um, <clears throat> Colson doesn't pick up on it. And you get some little lines here where he's, how long you've been giving Radcliffe a hand ever since he gave them to me. And he looks at her arms and there's, you know, she's wearing short sleeves. And so he's, wow, that's g- great work. Um, but then this is where. You know, Fitz is trying to he thinks he's in trouble because he thinks Simmons thinks Ada is a real person. And, and Simmons is saying, no wonder you've been spending so much time here. And, oh, I prefer classical beauty myself. But, um, you know, now Simmons knows that lie. Um, and, you know, we've been talking about these these lie detection uh, tests kind of things that um, uh, the, the director has been giving her and. She's going to have to lie now about Sky, although Sky tried to give her a way out with that by by pulling her gun. Uh, but she she now has a whole bunch of lies to keep from from the director. So and that's that's our end, which as far as tag scenes go, it's cute. It's funny. It's a little bit longer than normal. And it's it, the tag here. I feel like almost breaks up the pacing where. You know, forces beyond our control are driving us together. Joseph Bauer just woke up. We have a mission to do. And and there's a lot of momentum there to go into the next episode. But the tag scene kind of. Uh, we got the momentum, but we're going to pull back on it a little bit now and and just spend some time with character, character beats, character moments. But that's our episode. So overall, I, I like the episode and I'm loving our characters and I'm loving what they're doing and I'm glad that Ghost Rider and Daisy are finally back with with the family. Daisy's back with the family. Ghost Rider is teaming up with the family. Uh, 
So, uh, and I think I think this episode we also get uh, maybe it was last episode too. We get um, the idea that Ghost Rider has been allow- around longer than just Robbie. Yeah, yeah, and I hope we get more about that because I'm hoping that Johnny Blaze is a part of the MCU. Maybe not Nick Cage. I, I can let Nick Cage go. He can he can do whatever he wants. But um, that that there is a Johnny Blaze and maybe even like a Phantom Rider kind of thing. Mm. You know, back in the the old West. Oh yeah, yeah. But because we what know was, what's that, what's that actor's name? I, I, we got to have him. Because if you're gonna go oh, old west, oh, 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 you mean from the first Ghost Rider movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Elliott. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we can we can do without Nick Cage, but we gotta have Sam Elliott. Oh man, <laughs> that guy. He turns anything into gold, except for his Netflix series that he's doing with uh, the guys from that '70s show. <laughs> oh, that's that. I I watched a couple, and I'm just why am I watching this? I cannot get that time back. It's lost time forever. But. Yeah, Sam Elliott. You're, yeah, you're right. That would be that'd be a great get. <laughs> of course, he's already been in the MCU, or was he in the first Hulk movie? As he he was General Ross, wasn't he? No, I'm gonna have to look that up. Because Ross Ross was in uh, um, Civil War. Yeah, but it was a different actor. That's why it might have been. Oh, we're talking. We're talking the uh, the, the the first Hulk movie. First, yeah, the Ang Lee Hulk movie that's not MCU. Okay, that kind of could be, but but isn't. But yeah, it was. It was Sam Elliott, and then William Hurt was was General Ross in in the other stuff. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah, I like the Ang Lee Hulk. <laughs> so, all right, well. Um, where do you think they're going to go from here? I mean, uh, well, I mean, I think it's, it's, it, to me, it's, it's a toss up to figure out which one are they going to develop first? Are they going to develop and, and wrap up the watchdog thing? Or are they going to go with after the dark hole thing? I figure, I feel like the watchdog thing is going to be the, the shorter plot thread and the, the dark hole thing is going to be the longer thing. I can't, I don't see the dark hold being and, and just supernatural elements in general being something that they wrap up in the first half of a season. Like if you're going to pick one or the other to be your main plot thread to follow for the entire season, I don't think the watchdogs have it. I mean, because you've already had shield go up against like Hydra and stuff. Yeah. So it's, I mean, not to say that, it's 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 like like the watchdogs are a poor man's hydra so it's you know i really don't see that as being something that keeps them preoccupied quite as long but something new to them like supernatural stuff which by the way i really i really don't buy these things when this when it happens to shield because shield has been around so long like how do you not know about supernatural stuff in the mcu like, how do you not know about aliens and <laughs> all this other stuff with as long as shield has been active and all the stuff that's happened in the MCU throughout the decades, even just, just if, even if you just take the years that shield itself has been active, this, come on, <laughs> this, because, because Colson says, and I can't remember, I think it's this episode, maybe it was the last one. He said he's, he's heard stories of the ghost rider, maybe not that particular name, but 
just the legend of this mm. person over the years. So Shield has heard of you know obviously gotten reports over the various years whether they actually could confirm them or not is because something else completely different. But Shield has gotten reports over the decades of things happening that they're aware of. So I don't see why these concepts are wholly new to them. <laughs> well, it's not completely. New. I mean, they, they were clearly aware of the, the red skull and what his, he was doing and trying to find, you know, these different Norse mythology uh, things. And I, yeah, I, I agree though. I mean, I think there is, you could, here's my no prize explanation is, is that Hydra was in charge and so Hydra was hiding things that were convenient for them to hide. Maybe that that might be the no prize answer. But mm. yeah. So hey, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up here, and uh, and actually, um, you won't be with us for the next segment when I'm taking a look at our listener feedback. So right now, can you tell people uh, uh, just briefly about the different podcasts? Uh, we already talked about your Ragman blog, but you can also give the link to that and all links to your both your podcast and your blog will be at welcome to level seven.com slash. Uh, oh, what was it that I said that I was using for this? Um, welcome to level seven.com slash let me stand because this is let me stand next to your fire. And that's a really long one, but just let me stand that the show notes will have links to your, your podcast in it. Uh, but just briefly tell us about your, your podcast that you're doing. Okay, yeah, the uh, first and foremost, the Lantern Cast, a uh, podcast about Green Lantern that's been on the air for eight years uh, this November. Uh, we, we cover the current comics, we do uh, back issues and retro reviews, commentaries, I mean, all kinds of things. Um, we got a pretty big episode coming up relatively soon. We haven't yet recorded it yet, so I can't even tell you when that will be releasing, but uh, we will be covering a big storyline from Green Lantern uh, coming up. Uh, I think it happened during the 90s, uh, coming up here relatively soon. A story we've never covered on the sh- on the, the, sh- the show before. Um, I also do the Action Comics Weekly podcast, which is uh, unfortunately right now on a hiatus. Um, just uh, it wasn't going to go on hiatus till November. But uh, I've had some issues with a hard drive of mine that uh, Seagate, the company, refuses to fix. <laughs> so <laughs> calling them out on air. We, uh, we, we blame Hydra for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's uh, any, any, so, any technical glitches. It's Hydra. So, yeah, I've lost I've lost some uh, some content. So I have no choice uh, but to go on a hiatus earlier than I expected. Uh, but the Action Comics Weekly podcast is a biweekly podcast dedicated to the Action Comics Weekly series. Uh, published by DC in the late 1980s. Uh, it's, you know, we, we will be back in January. Um, so, uh, but each episode is like three hours yeah. long. So you if you haven't listened to it yet, you got plenty of time to catch up. Um, ben Avery uh, here hosts with me on one of the segments, uh, and it's the one dedicated to Secret Six. Um, so there's some, there's some fun there and there's a, there's a tie in for you listeners of this show to listen to that and hear Ben elsewhere on the internet. And then, like we said, uh, earlier in the episode, you got my Ragman blog, which is dedicated to all things Ragman. Unfortunately, the two most recent posts are related to his appearances most recently on Arrow. First, the announcement that he was going to be on there in the first place and his first appearance on Arrow. But that is, I have several blogs across the internet and, but if I'm going to keep only one of them going, for the rest of my life, <laughs> not 
you know, until I die, but you know, yeah. until it accomplishes its goal, it's going to be the Ragman one. So I do plan on coming back to regular posting on like, uh, cause I, I'm trying to do chronological reviews and I think I've got two issues left of the fur of the, uh, 1991 series, uh, by Keith Giffen and Pat Broderick. Um, so I, uh, you know, I, I do want to come back to that, and I'll just continue going throughout his appearances in the DCU chronologically. Uh, in addition to, of course, interspersing with his appearances uh, as he goes on Arrow. Uh, so that would be the Suit of Souls dot com. All right, awesome. And uh, I'm going to play the sounder now, and we will be back with some listener feedback. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> Shield Field Report. So I'm back, and I'm back uh, alone, but not really alone. I'm never alone if if you're with me. Uh, that's maybe a little creepy and weird sounding, but um, it's not meant to be creepy and or weird sounding. It's just um, I don't think I'm going to dig myself out of this hole. I am going to, however, read some some feedback and play some feedback from some listeners. So. Let's jump into it right away. First thing, uh, feedback for episode three from Agent Dallas. Agent Dallas says, uh, now being three episodes in season four, I must say we are night and day from episode three, season one. Not sure at this point why Marvel fans aren't giving this show a chance. We basically went from no comic book characters in the show to now having four as consistent main slash guest characters. Quake, Yo-Yo, Ghost Rider, Jeff Mace, a.k.a. Patriot, not counting the many others who have popped up. Maybe it's the acting, but even then, fans of the show have watched as the younger actors have grown into amazing performers. Either way, tonight's episode was great. The first scenes were some of the best of the season. My favorite was the combo of Mac punching a dude backwards and Coulson flipping him over his back. Fitz, this season is awesome. Is this his first official fight scene? I am highly enjoying Gabriel Luna's addition to the show. I think he's great as Robbie Reyes. What do you all think of him getting his own show after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I think I'm ready for Daisy to join back with S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not really enjoying her running around doing the whole vigilante thing. However, I suppose it's nice to have someone who was affiliated with S.H.I.E.L.D. running around and not bogged down by the rules. I'm sure it won't be long before she is back with S.H.I.E.L.D. Did May's bounce back seem a little quick to you all? Uh, glad she is normal. Thought for a second that either May was going to become an LMD or whatever was affecting her would affect the LMD. Not sure how I feel about Simmons this season so far. I liked her better when she wasn't someone's right hand. However, I'm sure it's just because of her current position to, for my current annoyance of her character. Hoping we get a backstory or episode for Mac and Yo-Yo. We left them, we left them season three seeming as if they would become an item to this season with a lot of tension. I am enjoying the addition of Jason O'Mara. Given the history of his character, maybe they could do a flashback with Carter. I like him as the director and enjoy him as a pro antagonist. Again, given the, his history in the comics, I hope he is who he is and they don't make him into some plot twist. Just a couple questions to get your thoughts on. 
Jeff Loeb has mentioned a Netflix crossover with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I guess now that S.H.I.E.L.D. is public. What are your thoughts on having S.H.I.E.L.D. show up in the shows and the films like alike as they did in Phase 1? Doesn't need to be our team necessarily, but the organization. They talk about how they will help with the inhuman population increase worldwide, but so far have only made one passing comment on the happenings in New York City. Given that things there haven't gone unnoticed, I'm surprised we haven't heard more about it on the show. Also, more on the film side, we have now seen two names slash faces pop up from phase, from phase one, Ross and Hammer, both of which have probably been forgotten until recently. What do you think of others finally showing up more? Ten Rings, The Leader, Abomination, from the show Graviton, Quinn. Also, do you think we could see Sam Rockwell on Netflix? Keep up the great work. And thank you, Dallas. Um, yeah, I they, they actually uh, name-dropped Hammer in in Luke Cage. Um, I'm not going to say much more about that, but uh, they, I mean, clearly they're using this tapestry for Netflix agents of shield in the movies. I mean, we talked about how it's feeling a little fragmented and having shield show up in the defenders would make things feel a lot less fragmented and having them show up in the movies. I think, I think it'd be, it'd be a little more difficult in the movies. If you are someone who is only following the movies you saw shield fall in captain America and then you're watching Avengers and there's shield, but you know, who cares? I mean, there is, you don't have to explain every single thing. And so, yeah, I would hope so. You had asked also, um, Oh, where's your, your, your question. Oh, uh, Robbie Ray is getting his own show after agents of shield. I, I don't know. Um, I think he's working great right now as supporting cast, but, I also think I, I I actually really do think that he would be able to support his own show better than um, Hey Girl and and Lance Hunter. But but that said, I think that Ghost Rider might work better in like a supernatural Marvel show where they, he's maybe not a team, although they could they could do Legions of Monsters or Legion of Monsters or um, something along those lines. But. Yeah. So um, thank you for that, because I'm about to read another uh, uh, feedback from a Agent Dallas. Uh, this one subject line is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4, Episode 4. I must say that I feel as if this season is on a whole other level compared to the past. Not sure if it's because of the time change or what. I think this is the first we've seen Coulson in a suit and tie since Season 1. Actually, uh... Agent Evan, this is me breaking in, but Agent Evan mentioned that when he was watching, he sent me a Facebook message and all it was was, I love this show and he's in a, col a coat and tie again. Uh, his attitude, back to the, the message, his attitude with Eli was on par with Coulson we met back in phase one. Perfect. I'm glad Lola isn't sitting in some cold storage locker. This chase scene was pretty rad. I like the details of the noise on the Quinjet being damaged, but not the car. Comic book fans rejoice. We got Ghost Rider with a chain, which looks like he's going to hold on to. Something I think this show does well is bringing in weapons that are part of the environment. They don't just materialize out of nowhere. Since episode one of the season, I haven't been a huge fan of Simmons. She has seemed out of character, and I think a huge part of it is because of her new position. However, and I was wondering about this. This has been interjecting again. I was wondering about this when I read this about Simmons in your last message, Agent Dallas. Here you are. Um, he says, however, in this episode, I enjoyed her much more. She seemed more relaxed and more like the Simmons we are used to. 
I'm glad that Daisy is helping shield again. I'm hoping that hellfire comes around and decides to actually help shield. I'm still hoping that we get an actual secret warriors group. We've got the Avengers in the films. We've got defenders on Netflix. Why not secret warriors on ABC Inhumans are being hunted. So why not rescue a few of them, make a team and send them out to save the rest. I heard manifold is great to get from one place to another. I wouldn't need to follow them every episode. A quick scene and a line or two as they get off on a Quinjet back at the base, I think would show that they are mobile and just fine. Uh, fingers crossed. Great episode. Move forward, uh, move both plots forward. And it looks like we'll be seeing a lot more of the rider in the future. Keep up the hard work. I look forward to each and every episode. None of my friends are huge fans of the show. So it's nice to have a place to hold conversation about the show weekly. Agent Dallas. And that's one reason why we are continuing to do this because I love talking about this stuff. And I'm so glad that I get to talk about it with, with you guys. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Agent Kurt with some feedback. Uh, again, the subject is episode four feedback. Howdy, gentlemen. Back from a week off to talk about some lovely Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I like how with this epi week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the storylines that were presented at the start of season four are starting to converge and some of the mystery is finally being unveiled. Firstly, I continue to like how the watchdogs are a constant threat with means of tracking in humans in every conceivable way, including hacking into shield monitoring devices and making deals with questionable individuals like James who returns from last season. And can I just say it was nice to see James again, see how his life has changed and learn that he's still just untrustworthy as he was before. And I was glad to see him and ghost Rider duke it out as he was the only fire guy on the show until Robbie showed up seeing Colson and Mac interact with Robbie this week was great too. We have we got ha we got to have some fun back and forth between these guys and then have them work together to not only discover more about Robbie's uncle and the incident that got him incarcerated, but also have Robbie work with S.H.I.E.L.D. to help take out the bad guys. It was also nice to see Daisy and Simmons hook up as we got to see their different viewpoints and go off on their own little adventure with varying results of success. Then there was some wonderful moments between Radcliffe Ada, May, and Fitz. May's reaction to finding out about a brief death was hilarious, and Coulson's later comment about starting a club for people who have died was great, too. Fitz's constant worry about Ada's existence was funny, yet unwarranted, and I also liked how Ada was smart, more humanized, and straight to the point, but also questioned why Fitz lied about her heritage, and Radcliffe explaining the pros and cons of lying. That kind of AI material is delightfully thought-provoking. I also found it surprising not only how quickly Simmons found out about Ada, but also how accepting she was of Fitz's involvement, too. I wonder how she'll get past the lie detector test. And finally, I loved that car chase between Robbie, Coulson, and Mac. It was wonderfully choreographed with parts that reminded me of Terminator 2 and it in an unexpectedly cool way with Robbie crashing into an invisible Quinjet. Nice. So far, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is really solid, and I can't wait for more. Agent Kurt out. Yes, Terminator 2 because they were racing in the LA river. So yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And now uh, from agent Jessica subject line episode four, let me stand next to your fire. And this is one reason why I, this is me, not agent Jessica. Uh, this is one reason why the time change shifted things for us a lot more than we would have liked based on our old way of doing things, but based on our new way of doing things, we're able to get this feedback on I mean, three pieces of feedback about um, the episode that we just aired last night. So 
Agent Jessica says, Hello, agents. I wanted to send in a few thoughts on last night's episode, which I really enjoyed. I'm going to be all over the place. So sorry in advance. First, I was really excited to see Daisy and Simmons have a little team up. I have always enjoyed how they play off each other, so it was really fun to see. It seems like it's been quite a while since they have had any sort of real conversation or interaction. I also enjoyed seeing Simmons in the field again and hope we get more of it. I am also really enjoying the Coulson and Mac team-ups still. They work really well together, and I love the subtle humor that usually comes from one of them. Coulson's comment about getting to keep Robbie's car after the car chase got a great look from Mac, and the little things like that are what make the show so great. For some reason, the Coulson in this episode reminded me more of the Season 1 Coulson than anything we've seen for a while, and I really liked it. Getting to see more of Ada was fun. I thought it was funny that May likes her so much and appreciates her no-nonsense approach. I'm not entirely sure she doesn't know Ada as an android, but I really am looking forward to see to more scenes with the two of them. I was a little concerned that Radcliffe made a point to tell Ada that it was okay to lie sometimes. Is it me, or does that seem like a bad idea? Actually, now that you mention it, this is me interjecting. I'm guessing that's probably going to be uh, an element of Chekhov's lie. Chekhov's it's okay to lie um, where Ada will lie to Radcliffe to protect him. But somehow, yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's a bad idea. Anyway, uh, back to the message. I somehow missed that Hellfire was going to be in this episode. So when I saw him, I was surprised. I didn't think that Daisy and Simmons should trust him, but I also didn't think that we would get ghost Rider versus Hellfire so quickly, which was really awesome. The visual effects on this show are really impressive considering it's a network TV show. Lastly, finding out that Simmons has no time to prepare for her next lie detection test makes me a little nervous for her. This could play out a lot of different ways, so it will be interesting to see what happens. Since this show tends to not waste any time, I'm kind of thinking that Mace will find out about Ada one way or another very soon. I need to get back to work, but thanks as always for the great podcast. I can't wait to hear your thoughts and insight as well as any predictions you have, especially leading up to... Doctor Strange, which Doctor Strange, we are just a couple weeks away from Doctor Strange. I'm very, very excited for that one. Some of those trailers have been looking crazy uh, with some of the special effect things that they're doing with the, what people are calling the Inception ripoff. But that looks so cool. So cool. All right. So we do also have some voicemails. First, this one from Agent Wilkerson, John Wilkerson, that is, who it is looking like will be joining me actually next episode as our next guest host. Hello, Ben, director Ben. You just got promoted, buddy. You know, you have, you're the director now of Welcome to Level 7. So you're the director and the rest of us agents, we're at Level 7. So hello, Ben, and whatever agent is listening at the time. John Wilkerson here, uh, just giving you a bit of feedback. I want to kind of camp on the, the the look of the people who get, I guess, infected uh, by the ghosts in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the look of the villains in Doctor Strange and how we have this black around their eyes and stuff like that. I really hope that that is the tie-in. I don't even think they need to mention it. It doesn't need to be directly mentioned, but I hope that there's some tie-in that way. I have to admit that when the season first started, I was really not looking forward to it because I thought that the whole Ghost Rider thing 
was going to just be a little bit too crazy and too ridiculous. I will say that I wish they had just left, and, and, and it seems like they want to go there, but they're not going to. I wish they would have just left kind of why Ghost Rider is the way he is as a mystery instead of trying to come up with a scientific explanation. Just let it be a mystery. Unsolved. They don't know. They don't have a scientific explanation for it. I understand that they want to be all sciencey, sciencey, and go all slide rule on everything, but I would prefer it just to be a mystery. That when, when it comes down to it, they don't know what is causing this or why it's manifesting the way it is. Let's have a little mystery. We don't need answers to all of the mysteries. I think that's what makes the show great. Uh, the the plot's starting to get all twisty and tiny, whiny and, and everything, so uh, we'll have to see where it goes. So far, I am going to give this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a solid B. Um, and there were some B-plus and A-minus moments in it. I haven't really felt like there's been a, been a solid A or A-plus episode yet. This past week's episode was great because we got some in-the-field work, and I really liked it. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of that, of getting the team back together, which I think is what's going to happen. The whole team's going to get back together, and they're going to fight this threat to the Inhumans. And uh, hashtag Inhuman Lives Matter. Thanks, John, for giving me my official rank and uh, for making me feel special. And, <laughs> hey, uh, you – I think you're right about the uh, Doctor Strange tie-in, if that's all that there is. But I think with the Book of Darkhold that we're looking at, maybe some more tie-ins like that, where, like we talked about earlier, where it's not necessarily they're even name-dropping Doctor Strange. It's just here's more stuff that's like that. Um which so far, if that's what they're doing, they're doing it better than they did with Thor the Dark World. So uh, beyond that, um, yeah, John will be joining us next week. At least that's what he what's the schedule is saying. And uh, so we'll be able to get more thoughts from him on things. But I I do think that there are some A episodes in this season so far. And we've only had four. But again, I'm just going to say I like how things are building uh, beyond that, I just want to say to everyone who is out there, uh, you are, whether you're listening to us in your car, whether you're listening at your desk, whether you're listening on your couch, whether you're listening at uh, McDonald's, uh, whether it's earbuds, earphones, or car speakers, or whatever it might be, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time with us and uh, I hope that this has been fun for you and uh, the season has been fun and we uh, I'm looking forward to more with Doctor Strange and, and stuff like that and then we'll be also getting into back into some of the Netflix stuff and we are we've been discussing a lot of how that can look and uh, it's been nice having a team to talk about how this can look and not just Daniel and I talking back and forth but to have Daniel and Stu and Ben and and Evan and myself uh, as we're, we're kind of discussing things and as we're looking at bringing other people in for the Netflix material that we're going to be looking at so so uh, that's been good. That's been fun. Thank you for uh, making this fun. And thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, it is, <laughs> it has been hard, uh, you know, doing things without Daniel. Um, I mean, really, 
the thing is, you know, Daniel's not here to defend himself. So I get to really say whatever I want to right now. And uh, he's behind on the episode. So it's going to be a little while before he hears this anyway. But um, I'm just going to say this, you know, Daniel, you haven't been on the show. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you, you're still talking about your cubs. You're, you're still talking about your your cubbies, your precious cubbies. And, uh, you know, who knows where they're going to be uh, by the time you actually hear this episode. But all I can say to you, man, whatever is going to happen to them in our future or whatever did happen to them in your past is, Daniel, you can't push us away and then come crawling back half dead whenever you feel like it. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one 55 level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. All right, so this is our intelligence re- no field report. No, until I just played the sounder. What? <laughs> All right, we are back, and this is our intelligence report. And why am I laughing? Well, you'll find out because there might be a blooper for the post credit <laughs> that might be talking. You know, making me look like an idiot. For I'm I'm gonna restart this one again too. <laughs> all right and we're back and i'm now here with a uh, special guest host uh chad bokelman actually i should have asked you is that how you say your name yeah okay. yeah, yeah all right Bokel, bokelman all right that 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 might be a blooper let's let's start again <laughs> all right <laughs>